I was just a pizza driver and I got, and I got rolled at my job like while I was delivering like they deliberately got a pizza from me to roll me cuz they knew I worked there and shit I was like bro I got to get the fuck out of here man Welcome everybody to Hit Different your weekly music culture podcast with me Mikey Carl so Sophia Molly and our special guest this week Oh damn Oh, Real name, Gaynor, comma, Thomas. Please state your business here, sir. Well, uh, I'm here to have a chat with you guys. Correct. Like and subscribe. Coming up with this episode of Hit Different, we're going to be talking about Splendor in the Grass XR and revealing a bit of a scoop about the November event. Right, roll. We're also going to be finding out where bands have gone. Are people excited by bands? Why mm. are we seeing more bands? It's like a Wes Wally for bands. Speaking yes. of which, and we'll talk about you all day. We'll talk about, all about your career, including the time that you dressed up as Wes Wally. Uh, I used to use this photo all the time in the Herald Sun. You on stage as Wes Wally. Do you remember that that outfit? Did I do <laughs> Have you repressed by it? By accident? <laughs> Possibly by accident. No, you, you were legit like main stage dressed up as Wes Wally and people freaking loved it. And I used that picture in the Herald Sun maybe eight times every time I th- had to throw down some all day. Honest to God, I can't remember. A long and story career. <laughs> also, marijuana kids, maybe rethink it. <laughs> but we're talking to you about your new record, uh, Smoking With My Drankin' Friends, Drankin' With My Smoking Friends. Yeah, it's the latter. Um, yeah, but, you know. All the things that we can't do right now. Yes. Uh, you know. But I feel like that makes the... I don't know. I, when I first heard the record, uh, at least the first few singles, I was just like, oh, this will be a lovely experience to vibe out with with live crowds you know if it's like it wraps you up um and i don't know it just it, it, it made me feel comfortable and warm great thank you, you know? that's, that's the goal you know yeah. i just want to feel mm. supported encouraged and also have a lot of fun so mm. um and yeah. feel like taking mdma at bunnings mm. and holding a man's hand Love the fact that in that song you don't say whether you know this man or not. A bit of no. mystery. Well, that's the magic well, I mean, of it, poetry, it, isn't it? <laughs> and it can be applicable to any situation in any time. Subscribe or follow wherever you are listening. Send a tip or a story suggestion to podcast at mushroomgroup.com. Check out the episode description. Let's get into it. Music sting. So let's talk about Splendor. Splendor in the Grass XR. They have announced their lineup. They've announced what is going on. People are, I'd say, excited with trepidation about this event. They've got some big names. Khalid, The Killers, Charlie XEX, uh, Churches, Denzel Curry. Who else? Australians, we've got Tash, Tash Sultana, Master Wolf, who finally gets to play to, a, I guess, a big international crowd, potentially, yeah. even though he can't travel overseas because um, ScoMo completely cooked the hashtag vaccine stroll out. <laughs> but lots of thoughts about Splendor XR and whether it's going to work. We just had a bit of a, a chat as well with some industry in, insiders regarding the model. And apparently they looked at Splendor in the Grass. They looked at um, outside lands and what they did last year in Seattle, they did inside lands. So, you know, really leaning yeah. on the VR and the XR and making it a very immersive experience. However, there's a lot of Zoom fatigue at the moment mm. and a lot of people are jack of looking at their screens and having to interact and trying to get that festival experience but perhaps it's not you can't it's different coming up in your own home <laughs> in your, in your yeah. lounge as opposed to with a bunch of strangers 
So we're trying to work out where this is all going to land and we'll tell you a bit more about what's happening in Splendor in the Grass in November as well, whether that event will go ahead or not. But what's your take, so say, on whether Splendor XR is going to be a success or not? Me being completely not jaded at all. You know, I think about Splendor, I think about Secret Sounds and the big machine behind it. On that level, I think it's going to be successful, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. talk about having all your ducks in a row. The lineup is fine solid it's solid it's you know it's it's a it's a lineup that people will buy tickets for you know if it was an in-person lineup i think you know fuck (laughs) you it kind of reminds me of big day out lineups of old you know what i mean where you could have the killers out here at the same time as give me some other names as a kanye or Mm -hmm. as a cold play as a foo fighters as alana del rey as an outcast exactly that was pretty cool to see how the the artists have been stacked up. I think my only thing is, yeah, like it's it's with so many sort of virtual rollouts happening at the moment. I feel like I wasn't blown away by how it was hyped up. Yep, being like it's like a world first, and it's you know it's never been done before, and that's great. But my at the end of the day, it's still a virtual gig. Mm, with the charging thirty four ninety nine for which the is weekend. good. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah, single days nineteen ninety nine. Um, there's definitely a feeling of when we watch something on the internet, we wanted to get it for free. So we, this needs to be special for people to shout out, Absolutely. especially with an international um, audience. I like the idea that there, um, you can actually, you know, see each of the Splendor stages. Like yep. they've, they've, they'll have that set up. So it's like, if you want to be at the GW stage, you can be there. If you yep. want to get the idea of being in the amphitheater, you can be over there as well. So I like how they've tried to make it a bit more unique and obviously localized. Your reception's probably going to be a lot better as yep. opposed to being stuck out toilets. in... Toilets. Comparatively, the toilets. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, so Gorgeous. there are a lot more positives, but... Christine. Yeah, it's it's like, is this the, the sort of gig economy that we're in right now? Mm, and we're, we're hoping and we'll get all day to weigh in on this. Exactly. Um, but 500k yeah. they got from Rise as well, so they got a, a grant for 500k. And there's been some discussions this morning by James from Violent Soho whether that money is being spent in a good way by giving it to the multinationals as opposed to giving it to the artists, directly to the artists who can then put on their own thing. So there's, you know, there's there's some to and fro there. Yeah, especially like when you, you, you see all these other local touring festivals who have had to either be rescheduled or, or cancelled, um, who may not have had access to the amount of funding. Yeah, and that lower these, their fees. You know what I mean? So it's... Mm, we wish it's it well. Tenuous time we, we right will, now. That, that long-awaited scoop is coming up. Uh, all day you played Splendor and you had a very successful gig there, which was filmed by Triple J, I believe. Mm. And mm-hmm. The whole thing looked mint and you kept your energy well. Always know the DJ. I could tell you were holding back for a big finish there. And there was just some really great moments in that set. Uh, I watched it enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Tell us about your experience then and, and how it's all, what you, what you make of this thing. Well, Splendor is pretty special mm. for as far as Australian festivals go for me it, it's always sort of you know if you get that the splendor offer and everything sort of builds towards that yeah. and for that album, for that album that was two years ago now so we have sort of like made that a center of our little campaign and mm. blah 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 so yeah I mean like it's it was a you know one of those like it's a bucket list moment, right? Yeah, kind of. Kind of doing yeah. a big, for, you know, for me, my next one is like, I want to do the, um, you know, the big amphitheater there. 
yeah, at yeah, sunset. Yeah. That's my next yeah. yep. splendor thing. Because at sunset, everyone's still on their game. Everyone will rem- <laughs> remember your set. Mm. You Two know. hours later, it's just mayhem. You don't remember being in He's the amphitheater. He's playing Starry Night over the phone. That's a record. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us, take us back to the the before you got on stage. The while being on stage, you've seen because you do the, who does meditation. As uh, I think David Lynch is one of your inspirations with transcendental meditation, and then getting off stage and going, "All right, what just happened? Can I process all this?" Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I was pretty nervous, and there were you know moving parts. Obviously, we had the Veronica's come up, and so we had done like a trap remix of uh, <laughs> Untouched, so that we had to, you know, and then we had to get, have them rehearse, and then also at the time, our there was all this drama going on with our tour. There's always like things behind. Oh my god, you have that yeah. crazy drama with that sketchy, tour manager, sketchy yeah. tour manager who was like nicking money from us and stuff. So there's Oof. always stuff and like, jackets. <laughs> oh yeah, he was nicking jackets from people. <laughs> 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 it's very specific. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Wow. Sticky fingers. Um, so yeah, girl. It's a good reference. Keep going. Uh, so yeah, so that was um. So that's going on behind. There's always the stuff scenes. going on behind the scenes. Yeah. You know? So you've got, and then you've just got to do a good show, and then. Hmm. So yeah, afterwards, honestly, it was just yeah, relief. Take, sorry, take us. To, sorry, buddy, take us to being on stage and. Um, on stage. You know, I'm like, oh, this is going pretty well. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm looking out. There's like, I'm like, this there's a couple people the, there. Yeah, the tent, <laughs> the tent is full, and then beyond the tent, you know, and yeah. then oh, I, yeah. it's always when you start seeing a lot of people on shoulders and like going way back. So that's the sort of in my head, I'm going, okay, cool. Like, you know, that's the Good enjo- barometer. the enjoyment barometer mm-hmm. is up. You know, um, so yeah, then I'm finished, and then I'm s- start taking big swigs of the vodka and that's it like off yeah. you go game over, game over. the adrenaline what? takes you to the next week and how do you keep on your game pre-show you know when especially when there's a few dramas going on it's very easy to overindulge yeah i mean i i'm i have over the years figured out i perform really well with two drinks in me yep and so that's almost a problem because uh to i, I it is optimized you know like yeah. you've just sort of lost your um whatever that first level of like security is like mm. you just go outside of yourself a little bit but then if you're playing a gig every night you don't want to be drinking two every night because then when you get off you want another one and then mm. it just goes from there yep. but Jen, i think maybe on splendor i maybe had like one just calm the nerves and then uh take the edge you off. know give everyone a hug and uh mm-hmm. you know we, we were just sort of like pacing around back behind the stage yeah yeah do, do you smoke us. before gigs no, I don't really yeah. smoke, like, you know, I smoke one, once a month or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart man. Wowza. But, yeah, I mean, whatever that Where's Wally thing. Whenever the Where's Wally thing was, <laughs> it was definitely a different I was situation. smoking then. <laughs> definitely, because I have no memory of that. I'm going to try and look this up. Where's Thomas? <laughs> Here he is. He's on stage. I didn't play today. Uh, we can reveal that Splinter in the Grass in November ain't going ahead. A yeah. lot of the industry whispers are basically, and we're not relishing this the information rumor. at all, but... It's it will not be happening, especially not at the scale, which is a damn shame. Uh, we wish Splendor well, and we hope everything sort of sorts itself out there. And we certainly hope this extended reality, which has seventy cameras to choose from, wow. the Splendor XR thing goes off. I mean, it long. seems to be very impressive. But I want, you know, I want there to be like a countdown. I want there to be there needs to be like some must see things. Even Splendor used to always have the surprise band. Each week, when there's one one time oh, that was yeah. like it was meant to be Kylie in it, and the whole I was there and it was like it's gonna be Kylie. I think it was girling in the end. Oh, or something. Look, so say, got a question for you. Where have all the bands gone? 
it's a fair question. I feel like uh, you and I coming from being in the position where we're listening to music all the time, but then we also have to write about it. I, I feel like it's pretty safe to say we've seen this sort of trend of bands being maybe moved a bit more to the to the background, mm-hmm. become mm-hmm. a thing um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And there's there's some stats that back this up. We're quoting from a Guardian article, mm. which uh, whichever metric you use, the picture is clear. So right now in the UK top hundred singles, this is sort of from um, three weeks ago. Uh, there's only one, let me see, only nine groups in the UK top 100 and only one in the top 40. And two are the Killers and Fleetwood Mac with songs 17 and 44 years old, respectively. So, I mean, Fleetwood Mac, they're, they're due for a, a come up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big feature there. Yeah, exactly. So what does that say about the trends that are becoming, I guess, the more norm now? Like when do we go from uh, pop culture trends being more like flash in the pan to actually being the new standard you know we're seeing more and more breakthrough artists coming from different social media platforms that's where i was discovering yes yes go, <laughs> go follow go follow um but you know we're seeing artists who were maybe garnering audiences in the millions before they've even decided to touch music and then you've got major labels being like oh you know, this person, mm. we could maybe fashion something here. And so they give them the avenue to explore what is already a love for music and creativity there. Bang, you've got a superstar. Less risk as well. Like Less risk. For, for record companies. I'd be interested to hear your perspective. Especially, you know. sorry buddy, that you've decided to uh, have your masters, own your masters yeah. for this record. And you were with, is it Ultra while you were in LA? Yeah. Well, that was, I always signed, a, I had a deal in Australia and a deal in rest of the world. So I've always had two different deals going on. This time I have just a one universal deal. How'd you set that up and, and uh, tell us about you mm. know, the logistics behind that? Well, uh, so basically I signed to Illy's label, which was under Unified when I was oh, yeah, quite young. Yeah, one, two, right? One, two, yeah. All right. And that was just in Australia. And so that's, I mean, I just did the term of that deal. So it was three albums and then. Then I was free agent in Australia. Mm-hmm. In America, I had some bad luck. Like I had, I signed a deal. This is just a classic record label thing. Yeah. I signed a deal after my first album. So they didn't, I didn't get a proper push on my first album in America. And then by the time my second album rolled around, they had been bought out by another label. And yeah. I remember going into, my manager took me into the, the new label. Yeah. And they had fired all the staff and gutted the label for the old label. And he took me into the new label. was like, we should probably try to meet these people, introduce ourselves. <laughs> and I remember just the blank faces of everyone in the label. Because wow. none of them had any idea where I was. And then a, a month, who I was. And a, a month later, it was like, you're dropped from this. So then so then I was indie by the time my next album rolled around in America. Uh-huh. Then I signed again for at, with Ultra, which is like an EDM. Yeah. Who have our Steve Aoki and stuff for people listening at home. And that He's got is, a great personality. He seems cool. I actually know uh, his niece quite well. She's lovely and definite different genre yeah. to me. So yeah, as far as like his music they, goes, yeah, he's yeah, a really nice what, guy. Yeah, but they, they didn't know what to do like uh, with my music. So yeah, a bit of bad luck with that stuff. So now I'm just like, fuck it all and all my own stuff and see, you know, maybe it maxes out a little bit lower than like Justin Bieber sales, but maybe I, uh, you know, own, you know, make a bit more money because I own it. Yeah, totally. good, good long game thinking too, Gaynor. Yeah, I like it. thank you, sir. I was going to say too, at that stage, sort of metrics-wise, if this sort of blank face record label people, are they going, hang on, well, this guy has 200K Facebook fans and a huge Instagram following. Are they looking at that at all? Because you're a person who 
people will be surprised by how fucking big you are online and the fact you've sold out two festival halls. Was that pre this ha- that happening? Uh, w- with the with Ultra, yeah. So w- yeah, I think so. I mean, like it's it's obviously there's a you know I've I've had a fan base in Australia that has you know continued mm. to come and go to shows and be interested for a while now and yeah. um so yeah there's that but then also working against me is like now i've been around for a while it hasn't really ever worked in the states so like there's that element too now so the record labels are kind of like well this has never worked here <laughs> why why would it work now <laughs> i'm from australia mate i'm kind of like i've had a bit of bad luck give me a chance <laughs> well yeah. you, i find it fascinating that you've kind of haven't necessarily had um, a chart hit, mm. and yet you can sell. As I said, you sell up festival hall twice. Yeah, yeah right. Three times we've done it. Yeah, three times. Lot, like, yeah. That's mahusiv, you know. Yeah. And that sort of uh, redefines the word banger and the word hit. Like you know, banger has pretty much superseded the word hit. In that, if you ha- have a song that enough people dig, enough people mm. know, and if you're getting the Veronicas to do, do a, you know, agree to do a trap version of Untouched, which I can only imagine as a saw in the, to be in that crowd when that happened, mm. like that's a fucking that's a bucket that moment you created that, for yourself. That that sort of spurred a whole new thing for them as well, mm. in my opinion, anyway. Mm. Like it's, I, f- I felt like that moment was um, really good for obviously you know people in the age group who were around when that song came out, but also mm. it really opened things up for, for not saying that you know, the Veronica's needed it, but like, you know, for them to go on and enjoy um, that sort of, that spark being re- reignited with a whole new crowd. You so, yeah. you know, having, that just goes to be testament to, to the sort of audience that you do have and the massive platform that you have, you know? Well, yeah. thank you. I mean, I wouldn't take credit for, I feel like I was there at the right time with yeah. Veronica's, but, um, but it's a thing I think when I th- we have maybe like this weird nostalgia for like Daryl Braithwaite horses, which is a fucking fantastic song. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't feel like Veronica's are like a legendary pop act and totally. need to be treated as such. Absolutely. You know? And in Australia, I feel like we don't have that same like reverence for like the generation, no. you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And so I'm really happy to see them get there yeah. like due. And it's like, I want to see like, uh, the, the, the guy from Deep Sea Arcade died the other week or yeah. whatever but like that was a good it's was like why aren't we still celebrating Deep Sea Arcade or why aren't totally. we still celebrating like X Band or whatever like there's so many bands that just get like pushed to the side and you don't you don't it's it's more like it's it's this like hot there's like the hot thing culture like this is the new hot thing but it's like hey the new hot thing didn't do Untouched yeah <laughs> <laughs> and until they did <laughs> That's the quote we're going to use for yeah, the yeah, start yeah. of this, this That's whole thing. That's the whole That's excellent. Because of COVID, are we thinking there's going to be less bands because people are working in isolation? Or are they, uh, you know, file sharing on the internet? Yeah. What's, what's going to happen with I think maybe there's, there's something in that. But also, you know, I've known of a lot of people who've become more collaborative and have just formed like heaps of new passion project bands that will most likely sort of snowball into into something a bit more legitimate once you know things become a bit more solid for them to to start making those moves so i think there's there's probably a bit of both i think i feel like not being able to tour not being able to kind of generate music in the way that we used to is in some ways giving musicians the opportunity to just kind of reset creatively and be like i'm not on the road right now but hey like you remember how we talked about maybe chopping it up. Mm. Or do you remember, you know, that studio session we have? 
you know, we had three months ago. Mm-hmm. I've been working on that at home because I yeah. can't fucking do anything. You and I have put Let's out the, their best album in years. It's because they they all got together after months and months and months of, of you know, being mm. on a boat and, you know, working on a file in the afternoon separately. Then when they finally got together in the room, they made a great record. And it's, mm. it doesn't sound sort of, you know, like they're tired and they've been slogging it out on the road and they sound refreshed and rejuvenated. So, yeah. Yeah, there's hope yet. So if you're so. listening, get together, make some music, tour it when you, when you can. Excellent. Segment three, we need some musics. Oh, thank you for the music. It's, it's so kind of like... Um, Cool auntie on the go. That's the music you have. It's sort of like, it's like a faux Liz Lemon kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, can I, I've got something I want to add to that. Hit me. Because I read that Guardian article a couple mm. months ago. And the thing I think is it's just access. Because like there, yeah. was a, there was a time when, you know, it's just access to laptops. So it's like kids, they have a laptop, they can make music, mm-hmm. but they don't have access to a full recording studio mm-hmm. and, you know, all the to, to make all this music with their friends. It just makes more sense to just make it with yourself yeah. and one other. So I think that's what affects the lack of bands. Mm. Totally. And that's why trap is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trap du jour. Starting a band is hugely expensive, says the guitarist Joff Oddy from Wolf Alice. That's very, very true. It is. For rich kids. That's right. Segment three, though. <laughs> you started a band. In fact, you fell in love with a member of your band. <laughs> Classic story. Classic. Drinking with your smoking friends. Tell us about putting that together. You've got a whole bunch of guests on there. Would you like to talk about some of the guests as well? And just, you know, knocking yes, it out all right, of the park. So, uh, Chachi Milani, uh, guitar genius guy who used to be in Gang of Youth, is now starting his own thing. Unreal. Uh, DMAs, uh, members of the of Delta Rigs, uh, what, 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 uh, Japanese wallpaper, Simon Lamb. Uh, Do you have Haley Mary in there as well? Haley Mary, yeah. I work with yeah, she's very cool. Awesome. And where was this done together? Was this? How did you? Some yeah, of I mean, at, at certain times when the lockdown eased, it was like, oh, I think we can. We're allowed to go over the border now, so yeah. we went we went to uh, the Grove in the Central Coast, which is Scott Horsecroft Studio, yeah. and worked with him. Um, which was cool. Like I had never done that for you know. You always watch the band docos or whatever. You know they they live in the studio and you know like that was just like sort of like a almost like a bucket list thing too. Like because when you're just making raps, it's just you just need a microphone, so you don't generally need to live at the studio and do all that stuff. And I'd say that's a bit more of an insular process, right? Yeah, and I think I. I had felt like I had made mistakes with that in the past by just forgetting the audience while I was like making the music. Mm-hmm. You spend too much time by yourself and you just feel, you forget that you're writing for an audience and you're just like writing whatever. This time, and I read this in Craig, Craig Mathis' excellent enemy feature on you yesterday, you had to tell Michael from Delta Riggs how to drum and you just sort of had a few, had a few say, arm wrestles with Scott about how things would sound in the studio, which is a different experience, I'm guessing, from what you were used to. Yeah, I mean... I just didn't know, like, I, I don't want to make it sound like I do, I'm not intimately familiar with rock music or whatever. Like, mm. I, I, I know it's not like I was just doing a copycat album, but sure. I, but it's very different knowing a genre to, like, making the music. Mm-hmm. And uh, and with rap, if I, I can sit there and know how I want a snare to sound just instinctively at this point. Yep. Yep. But I didn't know at all how, to, how I wanted a snare to sound at the start making like a rock song mm-hmm. and time, you know, multiply that by every single instrument and every single part of the song. So it's a pretty big learning experience. And you know, it's not 
not like I completed, you know, it's, I didn't perfect it, but like, you know, I got, I got pretty close towards the end of like feeling like I, I'm comfortable in the genre. Yeah. Stolen Cast feels like a moment for you as well. It feels like a moment where you kind of go to this groove place that you perhaps haven't been before mm. and there's an urgency to it and it's a fucking, you feel cool listening to that song as well. Mm. Yeah, a bit funky. Yeah. So tell me about the kernel of that idea and how you sort of uh, you know, made that happen. I've kind of been trying to write that song like kind of over and over again. Like when you're writing anything, you think things are in separate ideas, but in your brain, your brain's just chucking stuff out. And until sometimes you've completed an idea, your brain will continue to chuck that idea out at you. So like fast ride is sort of like a different angle on that same story. So I, but I'd been trying to write that song for ages, just like a Bonnie and Clyde, like leave the small town. I'm from Adelaide and it's not about Adelaide, but like there's certain elements of where I grew up that was like psychically, uh, you know, restrictive. Yep. Because which area are we talking about? I grew up in like Blackwood. Okay, yeah, I get it. So, <laughs> so get say it. is from? Um, like Birkenhead, like western suburbs. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know, just like, just random, like kind of, like where I grew up wasn't like incredibly hood, but there was random hood shit that would yeah. just happen. That like was like hood adjacent. Hood adjacent? <laughs> yeah, hood adjacent. That's a good time. You know, there was enough. And also, yeah. like, for whatever reason, like, you know, it was kind of, like, there was just random hood stuff happening. Like, mm. you know, I was just, one time, like, I got rolled. I was just a pizza driver. Rolled. And I got, and I got rolled bird. at my job, like, while I was delivering. Like, they deliberately got a pizza from me to roll me because they knew I worked there and shit. I was like, bro, I got to get the fuck out of here, man. It also <laughs> sounds like the mo- one of the most Adelaide things to happen as <laughs> yeah. well. So we know exactly where you are. This is yeah. when you're working two jobs, just a fun recording, basically. Uh, this is before, like, yeah, that was when I was here. I was sort of like, I'm going to try this music thing seriously. But in Adelaide, I was just like working pizza. Like, I got to not get rolled, man. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> dealing with out. other issues. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Juxtapose that with the Paris end of Collins Street. Fantastic name Fuck for, for a song. It. Great lyrics. You see the, the bloody, what's the, the, the capitalism line about? At the bloody end of capitalism. Beautiful. Thank you. They yeah. are. There's like a some like the Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts called uh, you know late capitalism, and it's all yeah. sort of like <laughs> pictures of things that signify that we're toward the end of capitalism. I always find it very funny. That sense of doom. You seem like a chirpy doo, but you also sing about having a sense of doom. Is that a third person kind of songwriting construct? Is that something you feel on the reg? Uh, I mean, we all feel little bits of doom but I try not to go around it's not like we're in lockdown (laughs) it's It's fine everything is fine it's so fine scratching her face so fine fine. I mean that song had that doom and then it has like the the poppy bit because I just didn't want it to drag on that way yeah I don't don't try to go around thinking about that kind of stuff too much I like to uh, maybe go out shoot some hoops clear the head do anything to not think about that kind of stuff. Mm. And you yeah. mentioned Nick, Nick Cave and Leonard Cohen as people who you look towards and say, how nice in 30 years' time to chuck your greatest hits, all day's greatest hits on while making dinner mm. and be able to just ride that vibe for an hour. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of, that's what I want. Yeah. That'd be Why cool. Not? That was in Craig Mathis's excellent editing yes. article. I felt, yeah, I mean, I feel sometimes like weird about expressing, like, yeah. you know, expressing dreams because it's kind and of it's embarrassing if you don't make it. It's a very Australian thing for people to go, righto, mate. Yeah, righto, yeah, yeah. mate. You think you can be... I mean, I'm not saying I think I can be, but we're all allowed to dream, aren't we? Of course. Thanks to my co-host, Sosefia Molle. Oh, always a pleasure. Pick it up in my whip. Uh, and thanks again, uh, Thomas Gaynor, 
all day. Please stream his new record, Drinking mm. With My Smoking yeah, Friends. Go cop it, run it up. It's Thanks a wonderful pivot in the year of pivots. Yeah, it's dope. So get into it, play it loud, and tell all your friends about it. Like mm-hmm. and subscribe, hit different. You feel that? Right in your ear, ASMR. Mm-hmm.